uh, back to Joe Maurer. Uh, let him go. You know, let him go play golf. Well, go shoot deer out of a stand. Leave him alone gonna... for about three years, <laughs> four years, and then have him come back. And, you know, this rush to honor him is uh, preposterous. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd. Mackie joins the show at 4 o'clock. Derek Wetmore covers the Twins, 1500ESPN.com, steps into studio right now. That was Patrick Royce from the Unchained podcast bagging the Twins to allow Joe... <laughs> Some downtime to quit bothering Leave him. Joe alone. Quit bringing him out to Creighton Durham Hall because he thinks he's going to talk to a bunch of kids about the meaning of life and to let Joe just do what yeah. Joe wants to do because he thinks Joe is just getting, you know, ticked off that they quit. They keep calling him up. What a burden it is to have your number retired and to do it at your high school and to have your favorite player growing up be the one to break the news. What a burden that must be. I. I'm with in Pat. I'm Mauer, offended. In the Joe Mauer, what, gymnasium or something, right? Yes, yeah, the Joe, Joe Mauer Joe? Fieldhouse. Yeah. I can't get in the Benilde Hall of Fame, and this Joker's got a Fieldhouse <laughs> named after him. <laughs> this Joker. Have I not done enough in sports to be in the Benilde St. Margaret's Judd, Hall of Fame? I, I wonder how much the donation, uh, your your huge donations, no doubt, over the years to Benilde St. Margaret's, uh, that the Scarlet Knights have not put your name on a building somewhere is a travesty. Give. This is back scratching. I got nothing to give till I get. <laughs> that's, that's right. Then maybe I'll give. Then then they can find out. Quid pro quo, baby. The Ex- quid pro quo auditorium. Exactly. The only thing that surprised me about the Mauer thing, and I not surprised, but yeah, I would have I would have done it at the retirement press conference just as part of the because it was so emotional. I would just been like, and nobody will ever wear the number seven again and be done because you knew that you knew this was coming soon. Yeah, but I mean, I got it's 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 fine. Yeah, I see you throwing your hands up as if it's like yeah, it's no big deal. Like I don't I don't disagree with like the timing of it, how the twins did it, and it. I don't think it was all on the twins how this came about. From my understanding, uh, Maddie Mauer had a hand in this, as did one of Joe's childhood like lifelong buddies, Tony Leeson, to surprise him, who works over at Creighton. It's to say, hey. In fact, I was told that <laughs> that his buddy Tony, who who works over there, former golfer, right? Uh, you know, I don't know the I backstory. Think Tony played for the golfers, they yeah. they go way back to high school and remain friends throughout. And told Joe, apparently, this is the story. Anyways, this is what I heard yesterday. Hey, don't worry. This would be basically like a twins caravan event. Just you know. Show up, Joe Mauer, yay! We'll all clap for you. A couple students will ask some questions. It's, it's really, it's no big deal. Well, then in March, TK, Tony Oliva, Burt Blylevin, and Ken Herbeck, and they make the announcement on the stage. I'm told anyways, and if we're led to believe that Joe Maurer did not know about this until Herbeck started his speech. It's pretty crazy. Okay, question. Yes. If that was you, Joe's an adult. Yeah. Okay, so this is not like he's not 12. If that was you, would you be thrilled by that? Or would, would you be like... Come on, tell me about it. I would totally not be happy. It was me. Do you like surprise Christmas presents, Jed? Or do you want to know what you're getting? Oh, right now? Yeah. Adult? Want to know 100%. Okay. Don't want surprises. Okay. As a little kid, it was great. It was awesome. Yeah. But as an adult, I want to know and I want to say (laughs) yay or nay. And I want, that's what I'm saying. If I'm Joe, tell me, tell me at the the press conference, hey, we're going to announce. I'll be like, that's cool. That's fine. I get it. It's Listen, my number. Yeah. But if if Dawn and my buddy drag me to some th- some high school and surprise <laughs> me, I'm going to be like, I, 
I'm a bleeping adult. You don't need yeah. to surprise me. If you're getting a new pair of socks, you want to know what color the socks are. <laughs> yes, because I don't want dark socks. I like white socks. People exactly hate white right. socks. I like white socks. Yeah, well, I just... Look. So good for them, but I if, but if I'm Joel, I sit everybody down and I say, enough with the surprises. I think we need to say one thing here, that it's that there is there are shades of surprise. Joel Maurer is not surprised that the number seven no. will not be worn again. He was just surprised on the day that he found out. He, he wasn't sure. The drama wasn't in... Oh, gee, is uh, is seven going to be hanging up over there with three, six, you know? Somebody's going to go to spring 28, training 29, and get seven. 28, 29, and 34. Yeah, the second like, baseman's going to... Spr- a camp invite asks for seven in Scope, Fort Myers. Scope gets seven. <laughs> He's like, yeah, we figured you'd be pretty good. I, I wore it in high school. Come on. There's no surprise in that it happened. I yeah. guess the drama is just around how it was revealed to him. Uh, okay, so we've got CJ Crone <laughs> signed before the winter meetings to play first base. We've got Scope signed before the winter meetings to play second base. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few moves here and there, not much. That's right. What should we expect now? And and it doesn't. I will. In the Twins' defense, anybody that expected them to go to Vegas and make a ton of moves, it's 2018. That don't happen yeah. now. So that should not be surprising. But what should we expect the next moves to be? And, and I guess most importantly, should we expect much more, or is this just all part of a slow process? I think the slow process is a fair way of putting it. I, I thought that this could be an offseason, Judd, where they came in and got aggressive and said, well, if the Indians are taking a step back, this is our division which to win. You, which you push for, correct? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, I got on this show talking about Bryce Harper. That's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> you know, yep. like, I think that this is a spot where the Twins can be uber-aggressive and go. Now, what are we... Six weeks removed from the end, from that uh, Joe Maurer press conference, that that sort of felt like the end of 2018, and now we're looking at 2019. Now the fact that they're slow playing it has me second guessing that strategy. I, I'm not. I really don't think they're going to, in fact, make that big splash. If you were looking to make a big splash, it, it, maybe if you look down from the top tier guys, maybe the Manny Machados, the Bryce Harpers, even beyond that, your splash would be bringing a big bat at DH. Bring in at least one, preferably two, relievers. Guys that you're going to throw at the back end of your bullpen and slide everybody else down a peg. Those would be the splashy moves that you'd make. I've said this before. I think the starting rotation is like, okay, it's not great. It's fine. If you're going to aim to improve that, you need to aim at the top, not this back end or middle middle of the rotation starter stuff. That will only help the Twins so much. But when you ask me on, like, how are you thinking about this offseason, I look at it now and... I've sort of turned heel on six weeks ago. I thought this was the time to be aggressive. I still personally think that. I think it's time to go. I don't think they think that way. I agree with you. I think they are waiting on this. So when you say slow process, what triggers in my head is make the team okay. Make the team competitive. Make it good enough to be in the mix July Mm -hmm. 4th, 7th, 10th, 15th, to the point where, okay, if we're in this race, now it's time to start flipping prospects for impact players right now. And that's something that I could really see them doing in 2019. Do they feel like Nick Gordon is close and that's why they went and got Jonathan Scope for just like the one-year deal? And if they do feel like he's close, how close is he? Yeah, I don't think Nick Gordon's that close. I just, the the year he had last year, Manny, would not scare me off. He didn't hit last year. Yeah, and in AAA, and we should say he was young for the level. Yeah. So he got promoted and had been doing well at Double A, correct? He had put up some numbers at Double A. Okay. And I look at it as that's fine. Next step, he struggled. That's okay. I think he was 22. So I'm not. I'm not here to say Nick Gordon's not a prospect or he's not going to be a big leaguer. I think Nick Gordon is going to be a big leaguer, and I think he's going to be a good one. I don't think it's in the first half of 2019. So Manny, the scope signing to me is more like 
here's a guy who would have cost way more if he had had a normal season. And he, like a lot of Twins players last year, was hurt and way underperformed expectations. Mm -hmm. So they're basically saying, all right, we get to pay for those reduced expectations. We get to pay for the lesser version of Jonathan Scope. And if it works out for them in 2019, great. You get to cash in on a great year of a good second baseman before he hits free agency. And bonus points, you get to offer him the qualifying and get a draft pick compensation if it's not going to work out long term for him. I think they're just making a short-term gamble saying, this guy's better than we're going to have to pay for. Let's let's invest in that difference. And if he's having a nice season, you could maybe flip him in on you July could. 31st and maybe get a little something for him. Too. You could. If you're a wheeler and dealer and you think you're going to be out of it in July, he is definitely a piece that if he has a, a 2017 Jonathan Scope season, ton of value in that bat for any contending team. So this question is going to sound weird framed this way. But it, I think it's the only way to ask it. How good do the people that run the Twins want the 2019 Twins to be? Mm. I'm not talking flukes. 17 was a fluke. Like, it was fun, but it was sort of fluky. It wasn't, nobody, nobody had expectations. But baseball's changed a lot, and the people that run baseball have changed a, a lot, and mentalities, if the mentality always Used to be spring trainings here and let's go win the pennant. Yeah. And then you stunk. You're like, oh, that's too bad. That's changed. So what's your assessment? How good do Falvey, Levine, and Rocco, I guess, too, how good do you think they intend this team to be? It's a really good question. And it's the question to me. This is the central question of this whole offseason leading into next season. Heck, if you even want to cast back and look in the rearview mirror, it's the central question to why would you run Paul Molitor and half the coaching staff? Well, expectations, where you're going developmentally as an organization, not only the 25-man roster, but I think that they think the last two years, talent-wise, Judd, pretty similar. The, The outside perception, let's just get this out there, is playoff team that took a huge step back, some of their best players that we've been hearing about for years, flat out didn't show up. Yeah, they had some injuries, but that was a no-show Twins team in 2018. I think internally, the the Twins front office thinks of it more like, we had a good pop-up season in 2017. It was fun. Some very good individual performances, and they wouldn't trade that. But 2018, underperformance, injury to key players, like your starting catcher, starting shortstop got suspended for steroids. Your opening day starter projected basically gave you nothing. Your two wonderkins were bad. They had bad seasons. Hurt, effective when they were healthy. So all of those things that went wrong, I think they view that as that's the primary difference between making the playoffs and being an also-ran. So how good do they want to be in 2019? you got to at least get back to that mid-'80s wins that you were two years ago. But I think if they add a couple of more pieces, to me, I look at this team on paper, I wouldn't think 90 wins is out of the question if you're going to pursue that this winter. If you're not if you're gonna just sit on your hands, then whatever. Maybe you're low eighties, mid eighties. But if you go add, say, a Nelson Cruz and you get an arm or two arms, all of a sudden this is starting to look like kind of a solid ball club, even without Sano and Buxton becoming awesome. If they become awesome, right. then you're off to the race. Who's trying to get Cruz now? I saw the report a couple weeks ago as the Twins and I think Tampa, Tampa Bay, Bay was but in then on I it. saw Houston had gotten in and that obviously could change the dynamic. And my guess is that might have 
shut down with Michael Brantley signing in Houston. They've sure. got a number of great players. Their position player list is absurd. Even losing Marwin Gonzalez, adding Michael Brantley to that mix is that's that's going to be a World Series contender this year. There's no two ways about it. I think that. If you're Nelson Cruz, you're going to have a couple of options, but it is limited by the fact that he's basically a 38-year-old bat-only player. Sure. If the Twins, would it make some sense? Yeah. Would Nelson Cruz make sense for the Twins? Absolutely, I think so. Mm -hmm. The fact that it hasn't gotten done, Judd, that is one of those that makes me pause and say, they're being pretty cautious about this. They're being so reserved. I thought this was an offseason to go make splashes. So far, they haven't done that, and that makes me kind of question what their big-picture strategy is. As we sit here on December the 19th, if you were to go to Vegas and place a bet, and that bet was Sano or Buxton bounces back, but it's just one, which one do you bet on? I guess define bounces back, because I'm not trying gives to answer the, type, on the question. Give, gives you the type of year that you would expect. Where where you get done with 2019 and say, this player is now, 2018 might have been, it was weird, it was fluky, it was, but... That's in the rearview mirror, and now this player is on track to be the player that we thought he could be. Sano. I think Sano because I think he has, let, first of all, let's wait and see. If he comes back from his version of offseason boot camp and he looks great. Hey, he's sending him videos every day. Terry Crews, hired gun for uh, Miguel Sano stand-in. Photoshop, come on. I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> that wouldn't be too tough. But I think there's, well, and they, let's say too, they, I mean, they have a trainer down there with him. It's not like he's just videotaping himself taking grounders or throwing the in tennis Florida ball off the garage or, or in the Dominican in the Dominican anywhere okay. he goes they're going to have some eyes on him like Good. I I don't think that and maybe I'm overreaching there but I think that if you're giving an off-season guided plan and he signed off on it you want to have your fingerprints on it as much as you possibly can mm-hmm. at least at the very least with guided workouts and a nutrition plan if he comes back looking like an athlete I think it's fairly easy to see just like this narrative all falling into place that he's now back to being that good, patient, selective, contact-oriented, still some strikeout, but a ton of pop, ton of walks, that great hitter. That's fine. Buxton, Buxton, I think, will always be a great defensive player, so his floor is higher than Sano's floor. But to get to the ceiling that we thought we were going to see right at the end of 2017, we've seen stretches of it before. Yes, in months at a time he really has to solve some of the contact problems that afflicted him last year. I don't think that's very easy to solve. I don't think it's as easy as flipping a switch and saying like, okay, cool, now I can get bat to ball and I'm allowing my speed to play up and I'm allowing some of that power to play up. Contact is a really, really difficult thing in today's MLB and that, to me, would be a concerning underlying factor. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Judd. Derek Wetmore, check out his work, 1500ESPN.com. Also, the uh, Touch Em All podcast that uh, he and Mackie do on a regular basis.